Welcome to Power Past the Competition, the podcast where John Latka, a retail automotive expert with an undeniable track record in sales leadership, employee development, and performance management, shares ways and means to help you get energized and rev up sales. And now, here's your host, John Latka. Welcome back, everyone. I'm John Latka, and this is Power Past the Competition, our podcast for November 2023. The title of this month's episode is The Impact of Wholesale Values on Trade Appraisals. And I have the pleasure of welcoming two guests today who will help us explore trade and appraisals and the importance of true market wholesale values in retail automotive. And we're going to do that through some questions and answers. My guests today are Carson Way, the president at Carson Exports, and Dave Fever, the general manager. Both with extensive experience in the wholesale and retail sides of used cars. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Oh, it's my pleasure. Can I start with you, Carson? And can you give us an overview of your experience and your operations? Yo, for sure. Um, so I kind of feel like I've been in the car business since it was in diapers. Um, my dad, uh, his first uh, job was selling new Chryslers in, in Dartmouth in 1957. Wow. Um, and he later went on to have a Studebaker franchise in Dartmouth in 1961 uh, and did uh, wholesale, both at auctions and hand-to-hand uh, -hand in Toronto for many, many years. Uh, and then uh, moved back to Nova Scotia after I was born and um, had a small retail operation and was doing export overseas. So my first job um, actually was washing cars and my dad would drop by to see how I was doing and he always had the latest, greatest, newest Durango or Prowler or something that he was driving to the pier. And I thought, man, that's just the coolest thing. Yeah, I you guess. Know, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I kind of started hanging around him, hanging around auctions. Um, he taught me a, a wealth of information over the years and I got involved in exporting cars overseas, both new and used. Did that for a very long time. From, uh, I guess, around 99, 2000, up until uh, 2016, I guess, was when I got away from the overseas stuff and started to explore the U.S. wholesale market, uh, sending cars from Canada down into the United States, legalizing them and running them at auction, wholesale auction there. My first run of cars was in March, I think the 3rd, 2015, I had three vehicles, uh, sold three. Um, by May, I was running 50 cars a week. Wow. Uh, I had it to a peak. The peak of the peak was in 2021. Obviously, COVID uh, made things a lot easier. Um, and we physically sold at auction in the United States uh, just over 15,000 cars in 12 months. That's amazing. Um, so it sort of evolved into a, you know, a, you know, 10, 12,000 car a year operation. Uh, I do all the selling myself. Uh, I do a, a, a fair portion of the buying, um, you know, during COVID to achieve some of those volumes, we hired a number of, of different buyers that kind of work underneath me to get some of these cars bought prior to COVID. Um, you know, I had it up to just shy 9,000 cars a year and it was essentially me and another guy running around auctions. So 
uh, sort of been around it my whole life. And, and that's, uh, you know, the, the wholesale side or export side of the business, the retail side sort of evolved, uh, kind of from our, our warehouse operation, uh, exporting overseas back, um, in, uh, I guess about, oh, seven, oh eight, we started to, to gain a little bit of traction without trying, cause we had some cool cars around and people would come in and, and try and buy them. They were destined to go uh, to Europe or China or wherever. And, uh, I, I purchased a building on Windmill Road in, in 2014 and, and, you know, we've kind of taken a bit of a run at, at, uh, at retail since definitely has, uh, had its ups and downs, but we've, we've got it kind of running like a clock right now and, and hopefully we'll experience a little bit of growth going ahead. Yeah, that is excellent. And Dave, how about you and your experience? I was a, a telecom guy before I got into the car business and, uh, my dad told me I was absolutely nuts for trying the car business, but it's an absolute addiction. I you know, absolutely love it every day. I've had the opportunity to work for uh, a number of different new car manufacturers, uh, different groups, different dealer principals, um, and then the opportunity came up to uh, to come over and work with Carson. And I've, I've known Carson for a number of years, uh, was one of the dealers that was selling him vehicles, um, a number of my personal ones over the years as well. And uh, previous to coming on board, I was uh, working in competition with him, selling vehicles in the U.S. as well. So uh, it's been neat to learn, I guess, the retail and wholesale side of the business and now get to work with him on a, a daily basis. Fantastic. That's amazing. That's, uh, that's great. And, uh, you know, obviously you guys make a, a great team from what I can gather and what I can see. And I want to thank you both. And, I, and I'm sure that our listeners will agree that the two of you are definitely experts in your field. So starting with some questions, uh, Carson, for you, can you give us your definition of true wholesale market values and why it's so important to understand them? Yeah, that's it's a really interesting and an intriguing topic uh, that probably not an enormous amount of car dealers, at least on this side of the border, um, necessarily think about. So you take, um, you know, a, a wholesale value is assumed as an auction result on a market guide, um, a sale report guide, you see what's sold, okay, they sold for this, that, whatever. Um, you know, historically, there's been dealers look on uh, Adessa, AMG, Adessa market guide at 45 to 60 day results, uh, a, a true market wholesale. I mean, auctions are the stock market of cars. Mm -hmm. So that market can change hour to hour or minute to minute. Um, when we talk about domestics and, you know, a lot of those values are, are driven by exporters or American buyers, you know, the exchange rate could, could change. Uh, we could have, uh, non-farm payrolls come out on Wednesday at 10.30 and, and the dollar goes south by 5% in 15 minutes, that'll change an auction. I guess it will. Could have a no remedy recall come out on F-150s halfway through a sale and no one bids. And so going further into that, looking at a market guide of what actually sold, the market guide doesn't show you the activity or the if bids that were signed up that you know one, two, three, four dealers hooked into a car in active bidding, it went to an if and the seller was just too far away to uh, make that deal come together. But that's actually what the car's probably worth. Um, if you have two or three active 
uh, bitters, retailers, franchise stores, and it stops and they quit at 10-2 or 17-8. That's the end of the story, even though it didn't get sold. So really, you know, to get super sharp on trade and appraisals, you have to be very much in tune with the auction, what cars are actually bringing. Another great point as well, and I've experienced this a lot on the on the sell side, when the market shifts, it's fine to say, okay, this 2020 Denali pickup's worth 50 grand. Right. And that's what they're bringing. But if you're standing there, and I, and I traveled to, uh, to Michigan pre-COVID for six years, 52 weeks out of the year to wrap my cars in an auction block, if you have this $50,000 Denali truck and it comes in and you've got 60 guys in front of you and 300 guys on the internet and there's six, seven active bidders from 45,000 to 50,008, well, there's, there's demand. I mean, that car is definitely worth 50 grand. If you're standing there and you get one guy sort of half almost, maybe not want to bid, but he kind of bids and you sell it to him for 49.7, don't buy any more because next time it's probably going to do 46 and a half. Um, so being in tune with that is so important to really know what a car is worth, especially now that a lot of dealers have gone towards the use of V-Auto, including us. You know, that target number of 95% of average retail. And you can put parameters in there for recon and, and, and everyone knows that uh, front end margin to arrive at a suggested trade-in value. Right. Um, you know, V-Auto on the older product in particular, it's very easy to do with a 22 BMW and there's a million of them and okay, well, this is what they're worth and you still got to watch the auction. Um, but you get into these, you know, 09 to 17s and you go on V-Auto and you crank the thing 95% of average retail and it says you should put 17 grand in it and maybe at different markets during the year, you try and buy that car at a, you know, an open marketplace at an auction, you can't buy one for less than 19. So you don't want to hit it at 17 because your competitor's going to be like, well, geez, they're doing 19 at the sale. I, I they're going to eat your yeah, life. I want to be 18. Or, you know, the bottom falls out of the market the way it has in the last few weeks in Canada. And, you know, that thing's worth 10 if you get a bid. And we've noticed that a lot. I mean, we're, we're being fairly accurate to say the least with our trading appraisals and, you know, in the back end of V auto, our missed trades are nil because either no one knows what these things are worth. They're not putting a number on them. Those customers are not buying whatever, but, um, it, it's something, you know, I've been very fortunate to, I have a very weird photographic memory. I can tell you what car X did at a sale eight years ago within a hundred bucks, how many K was on it, what the deck was, what I bid, who bought it, where it went after that. I don't know why. I, if I go play golf with someone, they tell me their name's Tom on the first tee. By the time we hit their second shot, I just call him hi. Like I just say, hello. <laughs> that's that's um, amazing. Can't remember his name at all. And obviously not everyone is going to have that, but uh, you know, you still have to watch and see, you know, what's going on, you know, record some of the, the uh, results, um, you know, do a screen print, you know, because those if bids, you know, uh, I mean, a great example, some of these auctions in Canada right now are converting it across the block at 10, 12% of actually saying sold. Now, they might sign up half the, the sale on an if, and those sales are not happening right now because the bottoms come out of the market and guys are not ready to take the losses. Uh, but that's what they're worth. I mean, that's a new money. And 
that's not going to be seen in in V Auto. Like the we're noticing V Auto average market uh, uh, retail drop about one percent a week. And personally, I don't think that's enough. I think it's going to really come come off uh, the rails in the next sixty days. Major major adjustment. Well, I can certainly see that uh, based on your experience and the way that you engage in those areas that that your knowledge is uh, obviously far superior to someone who may be sitting at a dealership and on occasion goes to the auction and relies on looking at the auto or some other sources to guide them when they don't really see what may be happening behind the scenes in terms of real value which for sure. which would come at the at the auctions right yeah i mean it it for whether it's at a franchise store or independent i mean you know any any sales manager used car manager still should be attending and watching the auctions even if they're not buying just to get a feel you know uh it, it it's not rocket science by any means you know can certainly give a, a much better insight even, even if you're not necessarily someone like me with a photographic memory that's going to remember that you know uh, 21 Corolla did 19.2 one day and, you know, two weeks ago they were 23.8. You can still get a feel for the market and adjust from there and be like, oh, geez, you know, I saw so-and-so buy a 12 F-150 with 230K at the sale for two grand, you know, and V Auto tells me it's worth 14,000. Right. There's something wrong here. Like we better look into this, call a wholesaler, do whatever, because it can change literally during a sale, can change by the hour. So those market guides are... uh, you know, it's as much reference as, as V Auto, but when we talk about true wholesale market values, it, it changes, can change by the minute. Wow. Just like the stock markets, right? 100%. Same Just same like thing. the stock, same principle. Yeah. Right. Listen, one of the questions that, that runs through my mind is, you know, there's a lot of things being done online. So when it comes to online purchases, someone buying a vehicle from you online and they have a trade but they're a distance away, whether it be five hours or, you know, across the country in Calgary, for example. How do you arrive at the valuation and how big is the risk when you haven't had the opportunity to drive the vehicle? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, obviously it depends on on what the vehicle is. I mean, a lot of our Oda Province trade appraisals for the most part are reasonably late model. Um, you know, so the, the risk of a motor being blown or transmission being screwed or, you know, there's no frame under it or something or reasonably low um, on that type of stuff. You know, the we do get extensive photos of the cars. Um, you know, what's what's interesting is, is things have evolved during COVID and we go back to the auction experience. Um, you know, pre-COVID, I, I lived physically at car auctions, basically. I was there more than I was home. And, you know, I never, you know, I, some guys would go out and crawl underneath cars with clipboards in the snow and talk themselves out of deals and, and uh, to each their own. I literally did everything, and I still do, completely on the fly, assess the car in the moment, uh, you know, for paint, possible previous body damage, rust, uh, smells, different things when it was in person. And COVID forced everything on the internet. And so you... You know, initially, all the auctions, um, you know, the biggest auctions in Canada being Odessa, had an auto grade, um, you know, which is a number between zero and five in 10 basis point increments that gauge the condition of the vehicle. Um, so initially, everyone went off that. Oh, well, it's a 4.6. That's a good car. 
you know, I don't even look at the pictures. Um, then uh, Odessa Canada actually, largely due to staffing reasons and and um, probably some liability, they did away with the auto grade on any non-commercial consigned vehicle. So then you really had to look at the pictures. Um, you know, the four corners of the bumper and dash and underneath and tires and all these different things. So that's certainly helped me um, because we are taking a run at so many cars and um, a majority of them are online to assess some of these trades very quickly based on the photos as to what what we're getting. Um, you know, Dave can probably speak a little bit uh, more on, on that process of, you know, presenting to the customer and, and uh, assessing things, obviously, if it's an older car, um, you know, that there is some risk, we'll hit it hard and potentially, you know, ship it to a nearby auction rather than take it in or it arrives at the store, we do a final test and, and adjust from there. Okay. Okay. But really what I'm hearing is that, you know, there's got to be some attention to detail. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to look really close. Even, you know, we, we, uh, touching on that auto grade piece, um, you know, there, there are still obviously some commercial vehicles with Odessa that do have that auto grade number. Uh, in the U.S., it's complete Bible. If you don't have an auto grade, you're not going to sell a car. Uh, and what moves that grade? It's a, an algorithm that Cox Automotive created uh, years ago for both Mannheim and Odessa used the same algorithm. And you really have to know what moves the grade. So you can, you can see a 4.2 um, and you've got one panel that someone painted with a Christmas tree. But it's only one panel that, you know, they call a substandard paint and it decks the thing by, you know, 0.4. Or on the other end, somehow I know this algorithm fairly well. If a tire is worn, that's 0.2. So you have four worn tires. Suddenly that car that might be a 4.2, that's actually a pretty straight old car. You know, that car's a 3.4 and you kind of shy away from it a little bit. Um, so that, you know removal of the auto grade in, in Canada has actually helped me to, you know, virtually appraise cars. Makes sense. Uh, Dave, a uh, question for you. When, when the customer is at the dealership, how do you set the stage uh, for the appraisal? Well, we do uh, notify our customers that all of our pricing is based on the market and that we do evaluate our vehicles based on that same criteria. Once the evaluation is done and Carson has looked at the pictures previously before the uh, the customers arrived or while they're here at the store, um, our next step is to drive the vehicle, look at it, touch and feel to make sure there are no funky smells or clunks or, or weird things happening with the vehicle. Um, and then it's uh, the relationship that's built with the sales advisor. Um, they are upfront, honest with their customer. They are the ones that walk around the vehicle with the customer to look for damages, dings, dents, scratches, and the funny smells. Um, so it's, it's all presented based on the relationship that the, uh, the sales advisor has with the customer. Okay. Uh, now, to talk about the sales advisor, what role do they play in the appraisal process? They go through it. So with uh, our Viato tool, they enter the trade information along with the customer. Uh, they'll go out and actually take pictures of the vehicle with the customer to show and point out any damages that they do see. It's a hand-in-hand -hand process so that the customer's fully aware of everything that we're looking at. That's excellent. So in essence, it's similar to a walk-around presentation when you're showing the vehicle 
In this case, it's an interactive touch appraisal with the salesperson and the potential customer. Well, it, it, and that eliminates any surprises. So if you just come back in and say, okay, well, your vehicle's worth $10,000, congratulations. But, you know, if your vehicle was in perfect condition, you know, we've looked at the market, it should be worth 12000 However, as you walked around the vehicle with me, you know, it's got four tires that we've got to replace, the brakes are bad, there's that massive dent in the front bumper. These are all going to detract from the value because that's something we have to do to make the vehicle saleable. Uh, so it, it certainly helps in that presentation of the trade value. Okay. Now, in terms of the sales process, at what point uh, is the appraised value shared with the customer? Well, that's an interesting question. It's uh, in, you go back 15 years ago and all the sales training was based around doing something in a very specific process. And you had to follow that process. And if you didn't, you were doing something wrong. Having a consultative approach with the customer and really feeling them out and letting them control how they want to go through and make it as easy as the, and comfortable as we possibly can, it really depends on what they want. Do they want their trade value number before they look at another vehicle? Do they want their trade value while they're on a test drive? You know, they, did, they want it to come by text. However they want it is however we're going to deliver it. That makes perfect sense, especially in this day and age where the consumer has access to a lot of information. And you know what? They would like to feel, if nothing else, in control of what they're doing at the dealership or online. Well, and, and when I talk to customers about this, um, my, my phrase that I always like is, you're going to find that we're really, really hard to get along with. Uh, which always puts everybody at ease and makes everybody laugh and smile because that's it. We we don't want to be hard to get along with. Car sales is not about that. It's building that relationship with the customer and making it as easy as they want it to be. I agree 100%. I agree 100%. Now, here's a question that I've got because, you know, I've heard from salespeople and uh, from customers that on occasion, sometimes, it takes a dealer a day or two to give the customer a trade value. So the customer's at the dealership. They drive a car that they fall in love with. They have a trade, but they can't actually do a deal because they're not giving them a trade value. Some dealers aren't interested in used cars. That's, we find that more on the, the new car side of things where a dealership may only want to sell new cars and they don't want to be bothered with the used. So then they're taking that used trade appraisal and chopping it out to individuals like Carson and other wholesalers across the country and waiting for trade values to come back to see who's the highest. And then they'll determine what number they offer back to the customer. Sometimes they just wait and wait and wait and that lets your deal go cold. It certainly does. And then oftentimes what I've heard as well is when a salesperson does follow up to give a value to the customer, the customer says, thank you very much, but I already have my new vehicle. As the saying goes, strike while the iron's hot. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Is there anything else that, that we can add to this today? Do you have any other comments that you'd like to make? Uh, you know, I, I guess obviously this is meant to be fairly educational and we're talking about wholesale um, and, you know, the success of a, whether it's a used car department or a used car independent store, 
knowing what these things do at an auction or paying attention to the real market um, can make or break some of these used car departments or stores. It's fine to say, oh, great, yeah, we sold 50 last month or 75 last month and we had four grand front and back and someone not in tune appraised the trades and your 5G sideways and a bunch of old slugs that go to the sale and you blow 100 Gs if you actually sell them. Right. So a true gauge of profitability, um, obviously there's going to be trades, you know, we keep for retail, there's trades that go to the United States. Um, but there's also trades that they don't, they don't go anywhere. They're just not our type of product. They're good for someone or some dealer that wants to play in, in lower end, rougher vehicles. You know, you take 10 of those on trade a month, you know, out of a, say a 75 car a month operation, you know, the slugs, the junk, um, and you run those at a sale, you know, if you can come ahead a little bit or break even, you know, sometimes you get lucky, you pick up 500 or grand or something. Um, and then look at the full picture of what really did you make front and back versus you have someone out of tune, they're looking at V Auto and V Auto tells them that, you know, an 09 Outlander with 200K is worth four grand and it does 11, 1200 at the sale. Those cars have to go somewhere. So suddenly you blow 40, 50,000 at the sale and you're, you're really making two grand a car. Right. Or, or a lot less or losing. The old saying, you know, use car manager story, it's not a loss until it's sold. Right. I love that. Now, one of the interesting things, you know, when you talk about loss is, you know, we've all heard, I'm sure, the stories of successful dealerships. But when it comes to the used car department, they lose money. And some of them, pretty astronomical figures in terms of the loss on the used car department. No, that's for sure. I mean, a lot of that would, uh, I think, it really comes back to trade-in values. I mean, if if guys are sideways in their tra trades and, you know, they, they take a car in and let's say that 12 F-150 with 238K, no rockers and a timing chain issue, that's worth $800 now. And maybe a year ago, Fantasy Island COVID was... 12 grand, no one cared. Um, and they put eight in it because they saw one do that, you know, back in June to some fool in Toronto online and they try and shop it around. They don't know what to do with it. They got some wholesalers offering them nothing. They take it to the sale. They run it five, six, seven, eight times uh, and they take two grand. Um, you know, do that in volume, that can hurt. It sure can. Um, so I think those are, you know, probably some of the horror stories that, that you hear about is it's just over-investing in trades. Yeah. And that comes from a, a, a couple of things, right? A lack of experience and the fact that the person doing the appraising isn't really in tune or engaged with the market. Yeah, or they're, they're just unsure. And, and then you get into situations that you have a, an unsure or doubtful, um, whether it's a used car manager at a new car store or independent, and they start buying deals. Well, geez, I, I want to do 60, 70 this month. Yeah, sure. Just, you know, give them the 10,000 on that 09 Yaris, you know, get another one over the curb to get, get the bonus. And then, well, what do we do with this thing? Either park it out in the back for a year and hope no one notices that it's still there. So you don't show the loss in your statement or run it at the sale and does 1600. Right. <laughs> right. David, how about you? Have you got something to add before well, we wrap up? One of the other changes that we've seen uh, over the last number of years is the hybrid EV 
PHEV market. Um, on the EV side of things, uh, we've seen a dramatic change in the last number of months where Tesla has drastically reduced the value of their vehicles new. And that is drastically changing the trade values. And it's a, it's a shock to the system for, for some of the customers that expected to, to see the values stay high. Uh, so that's been a, another interesting part of the part of the pie. Oh, I would certainly think. I mean, if you bought a vehicle, let's say for $80,000 and all of a sudden the market is going sideways and now it's worth 40, eight months later, yeah, I think I'd be a little upset as a consumer. And then for the, the used car managers, new car managers that are appraising these vehicles, if they're not in tune with that, you can find yourself upside down really, really quickly. No, that's for sure. I mean, you, we look at uh, at EVs. I saw an interesting post on LinkedIn actually last night um, about uh, the highest market day supply on V Auto, which you know is a suggested number of roughly how long it's going to take you to to turn that that unit. And some of these Teslas and um, you know Volkswagen EVs and um, I think Jaguar was the worst. They've got some goofy thing. You know, we're talking 320, 365 day market supply. These things do not sell. So again, going back to wholesale, um, you know, you take a, you know, a 300 day market supply car to an auction and it don't matter what you're asking retail, you're lucky to get a bid. Uh, and that just leads to just this constant depreciation of those cars. And I, I've never seen anything tank as, as quickly and as dramatically as some of these electric cars. And unfortunately, we just don't have the infrastructure in, uh, in Canada and most of the United States to, uh, to keep up with the, you know, the need to charge these things. And, it, you know, that's, you know, the, in, in some of the major cities, maybe Los Angeles or, or somewhere like that, that there's a, a charger at every um, uh, parking meter. You know, different story. It, it's it's been, been a challenge in those cars here and the depreciation is frightening. Oh, yeah, I guess it is. And, and, you know, we've been hearing more and more about it uh, in the news. And, you know, some people say that, you know what, the people that wanted EVs, they've got them. <laughs> and right now, people just don't seem to be flocking to buy EVs, whether new or used. No, that's for sure. And, and uh, you know, you see that uh, at the auctions. It, they're just no one, there's really no interest at almost at all. And it's because of that, you know, who, who's going to, what dealer's going to wake up in the morning and say, geez, I want to buy a car I'm going to have for a year. Nobody. Nobody. All right. Well, listen, as we wrap up, uh, I want to take this opportunity to, to thank uh, both Carson and Dave for taking time out of their busy schedules to be with us today. I'm sure that our listeners will be more than appreciative of the knowledge shared here today. Now, in closing, if you enjoyed this podcast, please download and share it. And if you have any suggestions for future episodes, you can reach out to me through John Latka on LinkedIn, our contact page on automotivebusinesssolutions.com, or simply call toll-free at 877-708-8484. And until next time, may God bless, good selling, and stay safe. Power Pass the Competition with John Ladka. Sponsored by Automotive Business Solutions. 
Automotive Business Solutions, a boutique consulting agency offering workshops, seminars, and performance-specific software to help you power past the competition. Find Automotive Business Solutions online at AutomotiveBusinessSolutions.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. This has been a Podstarter production. production.